Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Luis Gonzalez here with Justin Quinn. And for the offseason, we're changing things up a bit while the NBA winds down for the summer. We'll cover the week's big events and whatever basketball-related action we can find that might impact the Celtics, since we know that's why we're all here. Things might get weird with all of us in basketball withdrawal, but we know you're going through it too. But with free agency, the draft, summer league, and training camp, we'll have at least one pod for you every week. This week, we're talking about a bunch of cap situation-related stuff uh, pertaining to the Celtics. We all know that this is probably going to turn out to be a pretty big off-season for them, probably one of the most important off-seasons they've ever had. So it's nice to sort of remind ourselves where we're at with the cap situation. But before I go on, uh, Justin, how's, how's it going? I'm awake. It's early when we're recording this, uh, so it's going to be interesting talking about numbers uh, under-caffeinated, so hopefully that goes better than I'm worried. Yeah, talking about numbers, especially basketball numbers at before 12 o'clock is pretty difficult. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead, Justin. Just to give people an idea of what it is we're going to be talking about, we are not going to be talking about who is going to be on the Celtics next season and who is not other than maybe very briefly and who we're not going to be talking about who we might be trying to fit into so much cap space under so much situation. This is really just going to be a review of the Celtics cap situation. Yeah. Cause I'm sure at this point, everybody kind of knows who may or may not come back. Uh, Kelly. Olenek. So. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. We'll never know. We never know what Danny Ainge is going to do. He's, Sort of an unpredictable. Hopefully he's not unpredictable when it comes to the number one pick and we actually pick up Markel Fultz. <laughs> but guys like Kelly Olynyk and Tyler Zeller, guys like that, you, you can assume that they'll, they'll be cap casualties. So speaking of cap casualties, the cap is, it's interesting in terms of where it's going to be. It's very hard to tell exactly where it's going to be, but estimates currently are at about 101 to 102 million. Now, and that's down from projections, isn't it? Yeah, 108 million was what was initially thought to be what the cap was going to be. However, due to some less robust growth in certain areas of basketball-related income than was initially anticipated, and now for those of you who aren't familiar what basketball-related income is or BRI as it's known for short, that is very specifically designated revenue for a club that is counted as income that is then redistributed or kept, depending on the situation of the club involved, to the rest of the league. So if, if you completely lost me, what I'm basically saying is the way that the cap works in the NBA is certain teams that are in profitable markets and certain teams that make a profit are required to redistribute their profit in a profit sharing scheme that will help in turn help smaller market teams stay above water and have money to recruit better players. So, so, in, so in essence, big market teams sort of pool their money for smaller market teams. Exactly. Okay. So with the influx of the, the TV money last summer coming from some very big um, rebroadcasting rights, the amount of money initially because of a lack of what's called cap smoothing being chosen by the players and the NBA Players Association and the league, they did not come to that agreement. What they were going to do is take the income spike and spread it, but the players disagreed 
that that was the right thing to do. So what ended up happening was a huge amount of money came into the league all at once and pushed up the cap, allowing for teams like the Golden State Warriors to sign players they wouldn't have otherwise been able to. It also enabled a bunch of teams. Thankfully, the Celtics were not one of them. But, you know, some players like the Portland Trailblazers, they're generally a pretty good front office. But for some reason, you know, they gave Evan Turner a crap ton of money at the same time they gave Alan Crabb a crap ton of money. And now they have two players making above league average salary that are below league average production. Yeah. And there's a lot of teams like that right now. Again, thankfully, the Celtics aren't one of them. But we do have as has been probably discussed to death, some pretty big aspirations in terms of signing a tier two or better max contract free agent. Now, when I say that, this is some more confusing stuff, but there's basically there's three tiers of free agents in the NBA, and there's a max amount of money that you can make depending on how long you've been in the league. If you've been in the league under six years, then you are a tier one. That is, I think, about $25 million for a max contract. The max contract for a tier two, which is six to nine years of experience, is just about 30 million and 35 million for 10 plus. Probably there's not too many guys who would fall into the category of that, you know, 10 top. Let me start over. That 10 years of experience in any given year. And as far as I am aware, there's nobody that Boston is even interested in at the moment who would be getting that 35 million plus paycheck. So really what we're looking at is either tier one or tier two guys. Most of them are tier two guys. I think like Blake Griffin, I believe is a tier two guy. Gordon Hayward is a tier two guy. Millsap, I think might be a tier three guy, but I don't think Boston is particularly interested in him. I'm no, already in the weeds. Definitely not. 35 million for Paul Millsap is kind of nuts. Yeah. And it'll be $40 million by the end of the contract. Oh God. <laughs> no. If you go for the full four years. No, I, I cringe at the thought. So we are in this netherworld of waiting to find out what basketball-related income is going to be, and we've got some things that could affect it. The fact that the Cavs won a game against the Warriors is actually really important for the entire league's situation in terms of basketball-related income because that's going to be distributed to the rest of the league and then collectively raise the cap as a result of it. Had that not happened we might actually have seen the projected cap shrink by an appreciable amount next season, as ridiculous as that sounds. So let's root for the Cavs to win a couple more games. So you're telling me that game four was indeed fixed. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Because... Yeah, I, I, I did see this article, I forget where, but kind of laid out how much the Warriors' ownership would lose in revenue wow. um, had had the Warriors closed out in game four. And it was a a lot of money. Absolutely huge amount of money. And granted, a lot of it will get redistributed. Yeah. But when you are spending a payroll that is going to be staring down at like a billion dollars several years down the road in luxury tax, I mean, and having any possibility of not bleeding out your organization's lifeblood in terms of revenue, you've got to count every penny. So... Absolutely. We don't mean to, to get into conspiracy theories. It was, it was, I don't I was, really think I that's was, a conspiracy. Like, where we're going with this compared to what some people are saying is very oh, far no. from a conspiracy. I was, like, half joking, but yeah. the, the fact does remain that uh, the Warriors would have lost a, millions and millions and millions of dollars had they closed out in Cleveland. So, 
The jersey sales are another thing that we don't exactly know where that is going to fall in terms of basketball-related income effect. But odds are that we're going to be very close now that we've had that win to the $100-102 million threshold. In terms of the Celtics roster, we have several different tiers of players, and we've kind of beaten, you know, what what is going to happen to them as a result of their contract status. Just for you guys out there listening, so you have a better idea where the contracts are for the Celtics in the future. Next year alone, we have seven guys under a fully guaranteed contract, which means there's very little chance any of them are going to just be cut. In a, in a really tough cap situation where they're trying to squeeze someone in, some people might be theoretically possible, but I very much doubt it based on the talent level we're talking about for these guys, which is why they're fully guaranteed. Yeah. And that would be Avery Bradley, $8.8 million, roughly. These are rounded numbers, not exact numbers. Jalen Brown is coming in at $4.95 million. Jay Crowder, $6.8 Al Horford is the lion's share of the cap space next season at $27.7 million. Terry Rozier, probably the sm- yeah, he's the smallest guaranteed contract at $1.98 million. Marcus Smart at $4.5 And Isaiah Thomas at a whopping $6.2 million guaranteed. Got to be the best value contract in the entire oh, league. Absolutely. You look at that number versus his production and it's just like, I-, I can't believe it. Sometimes these contracts work out and sometimes they don't. This is a... Perfect example of a contract that has definitely worked out. Besides those guys, we've also got three players who are on either partial or non-guaranteed deals for next season, meaning that in the case of a partially guaranteed deal, they, that would be just Demetrius Jackson. He's got 650000 guaranteed, plus another million or so on top of that if they choose to not cut him. He'll get to 650000 which counts against cap regardless. but He's also got some non-guaranteed money coming to him if he's kept around. He is probably the safest of the three guys, barring... Let me start over again. I need more coffee. Just have some more coffee. Have some more coffee. Absolutely. So Demetrius Jackson is... His 650000 guaranteed is going to him whether or not he comes back next season. Other players like Jordan Mickey and Tyler Zeller are making about $2 million and $8 million respectively with no guarantee whatsoever. So if they are kept, they get the money, it counts against the cap. If they are not, they are cut, and it doesn't. So with a guy like Demetrius Jackson, it kind of, because he's making the money either way, unless you have like a like a roster crunch, he's probably going to stay on the team because he's making the money anyway. So you might as well just keep him on for that. Yeah, and, you know, he's still pretty early on in terms of development. This was his first season. This is not a James Young situation where he's, you know, coming into his third season. And Tyler Zeller stands a pretty good chance of coming back if no top-tier free agents are signed just because he'll be useful in a trade as salary matching at that $8 million. He's not worth that much money as a player, not because he's bad. We've discussed this before in other pods. The game has passed him by. He would have been worth $8 million a year, two years ago, easily. Yeah. Now, maybe, maybe vet minimum to 2 or $3 million, in my estimation. Anybody that does pick him up, though, will definitely get a good guy. He's, like, super professional, never opens his mouth to say pretty much anything. <laughs> so I, I don't think in the right 
with the right team, I do want to, like like you said, he, he's part of a dying breed of big men. His only use is basically against other big men when a team will trot out an archaic lineup just to see if it can capitalize on another team playing small. Yeah, he Which still has. Happen. Yeah, he still has a good mid-range jumper. Uh, I I can't remember if he can post up or not because I haven't seen him play in so long. Not not especially. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not bad at anything that he does, but he's not particularly good at anything he does, and he can't shoot from more than, you know, 10 or 15 feet from the basket, and even that, yeah. so fantastic. Yeah, I can't shoot from three. I think he's a decent rebounder. So those guys are all in this questionable area. And then we have five free agents from last year's roster or last season's roster, that being Gerald Green, Jonas Jerebko, Amir Johnson, Kelly Olenek, and James Young, they all have some slightly different things going on. Gerald Green was only with us for one year, so we don't have his bird rights. So that one season makes him an unrestricted free agent, and we can't do anything about it if we want to bring him back over the cap. But because he didn't play, you know, too crazily in his playoff starts, there's a pretty good chance that we could bring him back for somewhere Somewhere in the the range of veteran minimum to biannual exception. That's all I'm going to say about that. I promised I wouldn't go too far into the weeds about who's coming back and who's not. Jonas Jerebko, also an unrestricted free agent, but we do have his bird rights. So if we can afford him, we can go over the cap to sign him, depending on when we do the deal. Amir Johnson, also similar situation, unrestricted free agent. We do have his bird rights. So again, we could bring him back if we wanted to. Other than the exception I just mentioned with Gerald Green or maybe the mid-level exception, though I think that would be too much money for him at this point in his career, he's probably gone. Kelly Olenek, he's a restricted free agent, so we can match whatever people offer for him. However, there's a very good chance, depending on timing, that will be something we can't afford to do as a club. Can we go over the cap for a restricted free agent or only for somebody with bird rights? You can't, okay, so if they're a restricted free agent, then by nature they've been under contract with you for several seasons, so you would have their bird rights. Okay, okay. Then James Young is another interesting situation, similar to what happened, I think, with Solomon Hill and Larry Bird with the Indiana Pacers. They did not, they gave him the qualifying offer, which I think to him limits him to the max offer we can give him as an unrestricted free agent is what we offered him for his last contract. We can't pay him a penny more, which would be 1.8 million. And things start to get a little bit complicated with our draft picks and our guys that are stashed overseas too. Because if I'm remembering correctly, if Danny Ainge does go ahead and take and keep the number one pick, whoever that player may be, is owed what is it, $8 million their first year? I think it's closer to $6 million for their first year. But we do have other other guys that we need to account for. Uh, Yabu, who I'm really upset won't be playing in Summer League. Um, Ante, Stash Overseas. We have second round draft picks. Uh, I think we're picking... We're getting where we're picking. 37th. Yeah. We have a 37th pick. We also have a pair late Second round in the 55, 57 range, I think. So that's a, that's a lot of bodies to account for. Obviously, not all of them will be on the team. And some of them will be able to be squeezed into the new two-way contract if we are in a situation, for example, where 
We can only afford to bring one of the two stash guys from last year and Yabuseli and Zizic. Theoretically, one of them could get squeezed into there if they absolutely demanded the, the, the opportunity to play in the league. There's a, there's a lot of flexibility in terms of fitting in some of these lower level guys now that we have that as an option. But if they are playing in the league in the NBA, then a portion of their salary will count against the cap. That won't matter too, too much until the end of the year when the cap is determined. But the, the time that they do play in the league, at least as far as my understanding goes, is that they will be counting against the cap when they are playing in the league for a certain amount of money. It's a, it's a pretty small amount of money compared to, like, say, a, a bet minimum salary. The second round guys are not going to be counted against the cap unless they play at the NBA level in some capacity. So if we decide, you know, after Summer League that the guys that we have signed to play with us with second round picks aren't going to be good enough or worth hanging on to and we can't like trade them into some other team space or, you know, get one of those specially top 55 protected picks or something in exchange for them. They can be cut, which is a waste of a resource, sure, but at least doesn't count against the cap when you necessarily need it to. But all of the players taken in the first round in previous years and this year's, as soon as they sign a contract to play at the NBA level, they will count against the cap. I would just want to stress to everybody that is listening, you're wondering, well, why are you talking about all these picks and numbers and roster spaces, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But with the summer that everybody is thinking we may have, every single contract, every single dollar and every single body on the team counts. So I, I think it's extremely important to go over these things again, just so that everybody's clear on exactly where we're at, who's eligible to stay, who's probably going to go what numbers are looking like overseas guys, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the reason really ultimately what it comes down to is if we are going to sign, we'll just use Gordon Hayward as the example. Yeah. Gordon Hayward for the full max. And it's what, that's what it takes to get him to Boston. Which is about 30 million. Exactly. $30 million. And at present, the projected payroll for next season for guaranteed money, all guaranteed contracts for the Celtics is $60,000 less than $72 million with a $101 million cap, which is leaving us a million bucks short. Yeah. Which means we will either have to do something really unpleasant like trade DJ and Terry Rozier or Avery Bradley or somebody into somebody's space to make up that, that change. Because even moving DJ 650000 guaranteed, is still not enough to get us there. We're still yeah. short. But then if we do trade somebody like Avery Bradley, we would still have some money as a result left over about maybe five or five million dollars to sign somebody or two two vets, presumably. It depends on the yeah, situation. It really yeah. does. Yeah, it's all so complicated. I'm again I've said this a thousand times, but I'm so happy I'm not Danny Ainge. He's sure. gonna have to some crazy gymnastics to figure all of this out if he wants to stick with a guy like Gordon Hayward or who knows. So I don't want to go too far into the weeds discussing all of these figures because, you know, math and podcasts, they're not good friends. <laughs> that is just a general overview of the cap situation for the Celtics. But there's some other things that we should be talking about in terms of we, we spoke about the impact of the finals on free agency. In terms of how the extra game might have given us 
just enough wiggle room in the cap in terms of basketball related income. We'll see. You know, we're not going to know for a little while what effects it might have, but it could actually impact free agency this year and in the future in other ways, which have kind of been circulating through the NBA media sphere. You catch any of those articles about LeBron James going to Los Angeles with the Clippers? You know, I, I did. And I think these are, these are rumors that started circulating before game four. Uh, when the Cavs were down 3-0, everybody was like, oh, there have been reports and inside sources have claimed that LeBron, you know, sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel uh, with his career, is not getting younger. He has a house in L.A. that he may go to L.A. in 2018 when his uh, contract with the Cavs is over. I, player option. Yes, he has a player option in 2018, sorry. That he would presumably exercise, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see it happening with all the heat. No pun intended. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I just I, that was that was totally unconscious. I swear. With all the with all the heat that he got going to Miami, I I don't see him going at leaving Cleveland. They would hate him. They would absolutely hate him. It doesn't matter that he brought a title to Cleveland and maybe to. Who knows? Whatever. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year, but you never know. And there are rumbles about how he wants to play with Chris Paul and Carmelo, and that that could probably happen in L.A. The salary cap gymnastics that that team would have to pull to fit all three of those guys under the cap without all of them taking significant pay cuts. I, it's a, I think it's impossible, and I think it's a pipe. They would have to take massive pay cuts to actually land on the same squad. Yeah. But yeah, LeBron, LA, whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers, eh, I just don't see it happening. So we're going to call that dead on arrival then? Oh, absolutely. If it happens, I'll, I'll just put it this way. If it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. But if it happens, I would be surprised. What about the I Lakers? Don't, I don't know. The Lakers are just kind of like in in a weird spot right now. They, they have all these really young guys with, with promise, for sure. The, the, the team will be good. And it's the Lakers, so they have that that advantage with free agents because you Do they? Playing, I mean, you're playing for a historic franchise. Have you I mean, have you been to LA? LA is, is incredible. It's an incredible city. Laker Mystique has been touted for a long time as a major factor in free agency, but we have seen recently that that Mystique seems to be dead. However, with the Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka hires, people seem to assume that the hire has somehow jump-started the Laker mystique right back up as if it had never forced them to, you know, at gunpoint. I'm assuming it was at gunpoint because why else would you sign Timothy Mozgov at 1201? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a horrible contract. Yeah, so, I mean, if the Laker mystique is happening or was still happening, that that never happened, but it did happen. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, all these rumblings about Paul George to L.A., whatever. Absolutely. And That's exactly as, what I was thinking of. Yeah, as soon as Magic Johnson would hire, was hired, everybody was like, oh, was sort of making it seem like it was a foregone conclusion that Paul George was going to be a Laker. But are we making the mistake of, of taking a, an agent trying to flex some leverage on uh, basically penny-pinching front office that isn't doing literally everything they can do to keep their hands on the best talent they've had maybe ever and definitely within recent memory 
is that really him saying he wants to go to the Lakers or is his agent just feeding stuff to the media to make management do something? I mean, if it, if it was his agent trying to get other teams or trying to get management to just do something, I don't think he would have been specific in calling out the Lakers. I do, because that gives you a very credible present threat to your... That, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You see, I wouldn't make a very good agent. Well... <laughs> uh, but no, that's a good point. I, I mean, I do think that there is interest there. Again, I, if if not for the Lakers mystique that... I feel you're you think has kind of dwindled over I mean, we the know years. That it's dwindled, but has it come back? That's really the question. It yeah, definitely but, uh, verifiably dwindled. We have evidence because no good free agent signed with Los Angeles. Dwight left. The Laker mystique died. Whether or not it's been resurrected is is up for debate, and we will find out this summer for sure. I mean, I I think that Timothy Mozgov is he's a premier uh, premier free agent and an all star. <laughs> no. So. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't uh, believe you're serious. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, but uh, yeah, at the at bare minimum, LA is is a is a nice place to live. And I, if it's not, all right, I'm just going to touch on this briefly, and then we can move on. But mm-hmm. if it's not the LA mystique, I think what we're tr- starting to see now is a West Coast mystique with a lot of free agents going over to the West Coast. Which makes no sense from a competitive standpoint if you really think about it. No, absolutely not, because you still have to go against Golden State. Like, I think LeBron your chance... East to go to the West if he really wants to solidify his personal legacy. I think most teams... I mean, obviously this is hard to say because the Celtics didn't beat them, but I think most teams would, would like their chances with the right pieces in place against Cleveland than against Golden State. That's just quite, yeah, I think we're, we, over the past few years, we've seen like this sort of like westward expansion with, with free agents or westward movement. Westward movement. Yeah. Expansion. That doesn't make any sense. Why didn't you correct me? You're making me sound like a fool out here. Yeah. A westward uh, movement with free agents, but we'll see if it continues. But as long as the weather remains the same out there, it probably will, but. Anyway, I think we well speaking of west westward expansion or for westward movement, a uh, Golden State. It's something they kind of touched on earlier. They have a lot of all stars on their team, four to be exact. You got Draymond, Clay, Steph, and Kevin Durant. There is no, I, I don't know. Well, the reason that they're all on the same team right now is because three of those guys were drafted by Golden State not too long ago. But when they're all, when they're all inevitably going to have to be re-signed. Each of those guys is going to demand at least $25 million per. Yeah, they have some very confusing and difficult things to consider in the immediate future. This summer, they are going to have to navigate whether or not Kevin Durant is going to opt out of his current deal, which would not give them bird rights, and would make him eligible for a $36 million per year contract going forward. They also have severely, grossly, probably the most underpaid player in the entire league, Stephen Curry, making 12-ish million dollars a year right now, who could also sign a max deal of about the same. And depending on who does what, they may have to 
let go of one or both of Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston to stay under the cap. Depending on, I'm not going to, you know, I've already beat up your ears with, with trying to explain cap situations, but if Durant takes just the 20% raise from, from this season's salary, then the, and all indications are that he will so far, then they can probably, depending on what ends up happening with the free agency of Iguodala and Livingston, fit those guys in and max out Stephen Curry. We will see what actually ends up happening, but it would not surprise me at all that even if Kevin Durant does play nice, there is a very good chance that a team might make an offer for Andre Iguodala or Sean Livingston just to price him, well, whichever one of them, out of their cap affordability. So that's something to keep an eye on. Just It would not in any way surprise me if a team like Brooklyn or Philly or whoever makes a move for just even, – even if they don't necessarily plan – like if they don't have anything in mind to do with their cap space and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to sign someone before – if they don't sign them quickly enough, if they don't resolve things quickly enough, something like that could happen. And there could be some very good faith attempts to, to snatch away Andre Iguodala or Sean Livingston. They're both really good players, and a team like Brooklyn can use, well, really anybody. I think what's going to end up happening with that team, let's, yeah, like, let's assume Kevin Durant plays nice and takes a pay cut, and everybody kind of takes a pay cut in one way or another with a greater goal in mind to continue to win championships. That's best case scenario. Best case. Oh my God. Best case <laughs> scenario. <laughs> it's a scenario. That's the best case. Yeah. yeah it's a scenario. That's the best case. Um, what's going to end up happening with that team is it's going to be incredibly front loaded and they will have no bench to speak of. None at all. I mean, they can probably, they can probably snatch up a couple more people who'd like to add a ring to their resume to play for a veteran minimum. Yeah, but uh, at some point they're gonna stop. They're gonna stop finding the uh, I don't know Javale McGee's of the league, which are already you know. Yeah, Javale McGee's. Yeah, or the Larry Sanders. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, they'll, they'll start. They'll start landing the Larry, the Larry Sanders of the league, and I mean the Larry Sanders of this year. <laughs> what did he play like? Two games. Two games. I think he. I think he logged a couple of rebounds in a bucket. Whatever. But anyway, yeah. I. It, it's only a matter of time. I, I think that Golden State has a, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think their window of opportunity is a little smaller than people may realize. Yeah, they have Clay Thompson to, to either renegotiate before next season, like in the course of next season, uh, before he is free a free agent. I think in the 2019-2020 uh, season. Yeah. It's crazy to think that, a team might be so good that they just can't stay together. I don't think that's that crazy. I mean, the math supports it. No, no, yeah, of course, of course. But it's like, it's like in retrospect, 20 years down the line, it's like the thought becomes, man, Golden State probably could have won like six rings, but they just couldn't keep all of those really, really, really talented guys on the same team because well, they couldn't take them all. It took a really weird confluence of events, the influx of the TV money, Stephen Curry's ankles, all these different little bits and pieces coming together just so for that team to even have a chance at existing in the first place. So as much as it kind of sucks to watch if you are not a Golden State Warriors fan, yeah, 
it's going to be something to think about years down the road in terms of, hey, we were alive for that one weird time when all the players got on one team. And, well, I guess it felt like it felt to everyone who wasn't a Celtics fan in 2008. Yeah. It's like, uh... It'll pass. These things yeah. do. Yeah. They, they always do. But, I, oh, I was about to sneeze. Sorry, guys. Quite all right. <laughs> I would like to uh, thank Ryan Bernardoni, also known as Danger Cart, Keith Smith, and Tim Kawakami for putting together a lot of the numbers that have been discussed so far in the podcast. I don't feel it would be right for us to use them without giving them credit. Yeah, those are the real MVPs right there. Yeah, I mean, like, for this podcast, I do a lot of the cap-related stuff because I geek out on it, but I am in by no stretch of the imagination the level of expert that these guys are, so shout out to them. No, yeah, 100%, like, in all seriousness, that that these are some hard things to, to uh, put together and understand, so shout out A lot out of time, a lot of work, and yeah. Yeah, 100%. So kudos to them. But we spent, we spent a lot of time talking about not C's or non-C's. What is wrong with me today? Uh, people that are, guys that are not Celtics. <laughs> we have a few guys that will be new to the team. Maybe not new to the organization, but new to the team. And, of course, we need to give them nicknames. Whether they're good or not, it doesn't matter. We need to give them nicknames. Yeah, so, Mark Hill, yes. for example. What do we call? What do we call this guy? What, what kind of a nickname could we possibly give this guy? He's you from know, Maryland, all right, originally, and he went to school in Washington, so that gives us something to work with, I guess. What's yeah. from Maryland? Krabby Cakes? <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible that, I, name. That's horrible. Yeah, he went to the prep, the uh, development, basketball development. High school Dematha. Should we call him Demathematician? That's really bad too, isn't it? We're, yeah, we're ending this podcast. Right? I'm so sorry. I, I mean, I, you know, it's clever, but it wouldn't work. No. It's like, and I, I hate to bring this back, but it's like the, the Kevin Durant nickname, the Slim Reaper. I hate it. Oh, that was so bad. I mean, so he Durantula, which is such a great nickname. Yeah, I like Durantula, but the Slim Reaper, it's like, and it's, that's why it's never caught on, because it's just so bad. Well, what if we paired Fultz with Isaiah Thomas and called them the SeaTac Attack? SeaTac being Seattle-Tacoma. Pass. Pass. Just, these are just mouthfuls. We need your help, guys. Yeah, we need, we need you. What this are we is- going to call Markel Fultz, assuming that is course we draft him you know it depends on how he plays and whether or not he kind of develops like a signature style of play like we've seen we've seen him and how he plays in washington but his game might slightly change once he's at the nba level so i think we need to give him a month or so before we start tagging him with nicknames let's see how he plays what about amir trey slow I, man, his three-point shot, I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, rather than beat up the ears any further with Celtics nicknames, keep thinking of them so you don't have to hear us do stuff like this in the offseason, please. Give us some nicknames. Give us some suggestions. I do want, I, I have to throw this one in because I came up with it, and I think it's extremely clever, and I'm going to okay. give myself all the credit in the world. Kelly Olenek. 
Kelly O'Locknick. Ugh. I mean, mic drop right there. Like, that's great. All right. <laughs> I'm moving this on before we, before we lose every listener that's left. Yeah, we're done. We're done. With a new segment, and we'll see if it works. We're going to try on you first. So it's going to be nickname or nickname. Okay. You're probably like, well, what the hell is this? <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm what I'm doing here is I'm going to give you okay. three nicknames. One of them is a nickname. Now, when I say that, I mean New York Nick. Two of oh. them are nicknames of actual players. Okay, on any on some team in the NBA. Yeah, and one of them is just a New York Nick who I'm giving you his name. Okay. Oh, this would be easy. Okay, so your choices are Slam and Sam, Uncle P, or Lapchick. Lapchick is definitely a Nick's name. Uncle P and Slam and Sam are obviously nicknames. You got it. Of course. I know I did because I'm an expert on nicknames. Not so much Nick's names. Well, for those who are interested, <laughs> Slam and Sam is Sam Lacey, who was formerly of the Cincinnati Royals all the way until they were with the Kings between 1971 and 1982. Oh, wow. And Uncle P was, well, I shouldn't say was, is, can you, can you give me a guess who Uncle P might be? Uncle P, I was going to say Nick Young. That is correct. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. And Lepchik is Joe Lepchik, former player and coach of the New York Knicks in their very early years, back when it was still the Basketball Association of America. I like this segment. I like this. Yeah, that, that, that was fun, man. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I got them all right. But <laughs> well, I didn't ask you who Slam and Sam was because I didn't think anyone is going to know who that was. No, definitely not. But Uncle P, Swaggy P, Nick Young, I, I, it was a guess, but I'm surprised I got it right. Not bad. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> we have some minor storylines to get into before we start wrapping up and uh, talk about Game 4 of the NBA Finals a little bit. Ante Zizic is skipping Euro basketball to focus on the Celtics. That's a, I love that. Absolutely love it. What do you think? Well, it's what we want to hear from, I think, the guy who's most likely to stick with the Celtics for yep. the coming season of the two stash guys. Yeah, and people are, people are really high on him. I, I think... We should sort of pump the brakes a little bit, assuming that he's going to solve all of our rebounding woes, but I think this, at the very least, is a good look. Picture Jonas Jerebko, who can rebound. I like that. And Jonas can shoot if he's given the ball a, a, you know, a little bit more, but we know that he can shoot. And at least at a lower level, Zizic has been okay to that extent as well. So there is yeah. there is hope that he can get some minutes, not... Yeah. Impact games per se. Don't expect that you will be disappointed. Maybe not. Maybe not. You never we'll know. See. But temper expectations. We're just looking for a rotation guy out of him. And that is a big part of the reason why we might not be seeing where Sean Yabuselli, as you mentioned, he's not going to be in summer league because he's getting bone spurs removed. Bone spurs are not a major operation, but they are going to impact his conditioning. It's hard to stay conditioned when you can't walk a run. Yeah. So he's going to be 
ready, when I say ready, like able to play in games, but he will not be in game shape by the time the season starts. So he'll have to work his way back into shape. And if there is a, any kind of roster crunch whatsoever, which is not that unlikely, he will be of the two players more likely to spend another year overseas. So we may not see the dancing bear coming up this, this season. And that's, that's very sad. It is, uh, but yeah. Zizic is doing exactly what he needs to do to get ready for the Celtics, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brown and his off-season video blog. I actually watched one of them yesterday. I haven't Love seen it. them. I haven't seen them. What do you think? Great, great, great. What Not a lot mean? of dialogue. It's kind of just like a day in day the life. kind of a thing. He's in the life. Yeah. Shot really well. Very intimate. I think it's great. All right, I'll check it out. You should, and everybody, everybody should check it out. Uh, could Danny Ainge actually, actually pass on what, what was the nickname he gave him? Uh, Krabby Cakes. Krabby Cakes. <laughs> could as could as he as actually as pass? I don't think so. No, and for people who are, you know, living in a cave and not sure exactly what we're mentioning, there were some rumors swirling about that Markel Fultz is going to work out with the Kings, and people justifiably panicked a little bit when they saw that. I, I think don't think just... anyone has anything to worry about. I think this is just due diligence. Danny Ainge knows that there is a shadow's chance in hell that he might trade down with some kind of Godfather package with the Kings. Probably nobody else could reasonably put together something. And I, frankly speaking, I don't think that even if they threw everything they could at Boston, that they could come up with something that would really be worth what you would get out of Martel Fultz. Debatable. Yeah. I've seen some, some interesting three team, th- you know, trade ideas. I'm not going down that route. It's just, I'm, I'm already super tired of that crap. And I mean, to people who are still into doing it, like, you know, for the mental exercise of putting on the GM cap, sure. But I'm not expecting it, and I don't think anybody else should either. Yeah, so let's just forget about that yep. for the time being. Uh, last thing before we start to wrap up. There was a Game 3 and four. NBA Finals and 4. Since game 3, yeah. Game 3 went to Golden State, went up 3-0. Kevin Durant with that nasty, nasty, nasty three-point shot with 45 seconds left. I mean, Golden State just won that game. They really did. I thought that they were going to lose. Going into the fourth, they were down, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was the first competitive play. game they played really all, yeah. all postseason. Yeah. But it, it just seems like Cleveland was tired or the, the only guys that really have shown up for Cleveland in Kyrie and LeBron. Uh, J.R. Smith had a good game, though. Uh, just got tired and Golden State was just a little fresher and they pulled it off at the end there. But then there was game four. Everybody was calling for a sweep, including me. I thought that it was, it was over. I saw no indication that Cleveland could actually pull off a game. But they did. And in historic fashion, they set, they set league records in scoring in the first quarter and half. Yeah, 86 points in the first half. I couldn't believe it. That's, sometimes that's a final score. That is all-star game scoring level right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I think Golden State kind of just underestimated them a little bit. Well, I don't want to say underestimated them, but I don't think they came out with the let's just close this out no. right now 
mentality. And once they were down, uh, they, I mean, they basically got blown out or I would, I would say they got blown out. But uh, the, I, the reason I do think, and this is kind of projecting a little bit that the game five will be the closeout game is that these were some crazy historic performances from LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. And it took that. It took everything and some, and, had, yeah. yeah. And some crazy whistles. I, I think Cleveland shot, what was it, 15 or 15 to 20 free throws in the first quarter alone. They got kinda, a lot of foul calls against Golden State early, too, which really yeah, helped them. It was, it was bad. It threw off the, the tempo of the game. So all of that is, is what it took. A perfect storm of things going their way, really. And they just barely got over the hump, too, in the long run. Yeah, so I, I can't imagine that happening again, much less for four games in a row. So you're saying this isn't a momentum shift, that we saw it was a close game last game, and this game they won? No, it would have been different had the roles been reversed, and Cleveland had home court advantage, and the, this game was, the next game was in Cleveland, with Cleveland, Cleveland being down 3-1, but the fact that they're down 3-1 going to Golden State with that crazy crowd, Golden State is going to be determined to just end this season on Monday night. I don't and, disagree. And that'll be bad. But we'll see what happens. Crazier things have happened, but I just, I, I don't see Cleveland going off, but we'll see. I wouldn't Come, be upset because it would, as I said earlier, spike the basketball-related income a bit. We might really be that close to the line. But apart from that, I'm ready. I'm ready for the offseason. Bring the draft and bring free agency. Let's get on with it. And... Yeah, and we'll see what happens. Well, that's probably a good spot to stop it. I think I should at least mention some. We've got a lot of stuff to promo, a lot of developments going on. We've got some new writers on the site, Connor Murphy and Martin Connolly. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, Celtics Life writer Danielle Hobeka has put together her annual blooper reel, so keep an eye out for that. It's been out for a little bit, but it's definitely worth a shot if you haven't seen it already. And as per usual, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We've got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies, as you know. You cannot get tickets until next season for the next game because, well, you know, there aren't any games to have tickets to go to. I do need to check. Sorry to cut you off, but if there are tickets to the NBA draft, really, I did not know that you can get tickets. I'm wondering. I, I'll check right now. Let's let's see. Again, some more live stuff for you guys. Let's <laughs> well, see. While he does that, I should let you know that you can find the the, the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you never miss this incredibly riveting numbers-driven cap discussion or what we usually talk about, you know, basketball. (laughs) And if you don't like stuff that you're hearing, please let us know. Just use the comment section of any Celtics Life article. Use Twitter for any of our writers' accounts or the main account, the Celtics Life uh, Twitter account to let us know any suggestion that you have, whether it's, you know, segment suggestions, what you do like, what you don't like, what you want more of, less of, all that good stuff. You can use the hashtag, I'm going to get it right this time because I always give you the old one, 
and give you the short one, which is the one we actually check, which is, you know, kind of important for these things. Hashtag CLPOD, that's C-L-P-O-D. Hashtag C-L-P-O-D. Real simple. If you want to, if you want to get it to our attention, we're always trying to bring you the coverage you want the way you like it. So if you do like it, give us five stars that will help other people find us and will help our ratings, help us reach more people and help us do better. And any conclusive results on whether or not we can get tickets to the draft? Unfortunately, you cannot. But if you are in the New York City area or live close by, I'm going to strongly consider going to the draft. Mm -hmm. The Barclays Center, right? Yeah, it's at the Barclays Center. The tickets are actually pretty cheap last I checked, but I checked about a month ago. The tickets were like 20 bucks. Um, I don't think it matters where you sit as long as you're there. Uh, we'll see. I, I'll, I will let y'all know. But on the last note that you, that you said, uh, for everybody that is listening, don't be afraid to, like Justin said, leave a comment on the article that this podcast will be attached to. Again, we're mostly doing this for for you, for all of you. So if there's a podcast topic that you want to hear, it can be silly, anything, whatever it may be. Summertime, we've got the time. Yes, no. Yeah, we have the time, you know, and I'm sure eventually people kind of get tired of, you know, number crunches and who's going to be blah, blah, blah. You know, you can have a little fun with these things. So if you have an idea for a podcast, just let us know if you think... If you want our podcast to be three hours, let us know. Hopefully not. But if you want them to, if you would rather that something. That might be too big of an ask, but we'll see yeah. what we can do. Yeah, if you want something that's more of like a quick take that's 20 minutes, let us know. Anything and everything, just let us know and we'll try to accommodate it. And we'll definitely give you credit um, before the before we start the podcast and after we start the podcast that this was your idea. So, so let her rip. Yeah, so just let us know and, and we'll try our best to. Again, it's the summertime, so Let's it's a little fun. Yeah, and it's a little difficult to have like fun and original ideas when there isn't too too much to talk about outside of like the draft and what Terry Rosier did on his Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. Oh no, that's that's I went a, that's there. A, I went oh, there. No. Oh boy. <laughs> you did. We'll leave you with that. Yeah, so that's all I had to say. So don't be afraid. Let us know and We'll see what we can do. But on the Terry Rosier Snapchat note, I implore everybody to follow Terry Rosier on Snapchat and let us know what you think. Uh, we will catch you all next week. Take care, y'all. <laughs>